What would life look like if our good intentions were inspired enough, empowered enough, and challenged enough so that all those dreams became real, tangible good in the world? On Practice Good Podcast, you will find authentic stories, challenging conversations, and real responses that will inspire, empower, and challenge your social impact journey. But this isn't all. Good business and good programs and good social enterprise are only as good as the health of their leader. And on this podcast, we will pay special attention, not only to the good that we give to the world, but to the good that we live within ourselves, our soul care. Welcome to Practice Good, a podcast for changemakers. I'm your host, Shiloh Kashima, practitioner of good, pastor, and mom of two spicy Nigerian littles. Get ready as we turn your good intentions into positive change. Today, we have the awesome privilege of speaking with one of my good friends, Rachel. Rachel has started an online business where she coaches people to get six-figure incomes from their online presence. She creates a community of entrepreneurs to connect with one another and to also grow with one another through her group called Activate. It's a 12-month intimate coaching group where they will experience opportunities and tips and empowerment and equipping to become profitable, sustainable, and scalable online. And what I love about her is not only does she do this as a business to help people, but she also takes her resources and her funds and she started a nonprofit and she takes that money and pours it into helping to feed people and also has this vision long term to be able to work with people in terms of leadership and growth in Senegal where her husband is from. So we have a special connection. We go to the same church. Both of our husbands are from the continent of Africa and um, we really enjoy just getting our families together, hanging out. But today she's going to join us, share a little bit about her social impact journey with us and really give us kind of a backstage pass to what she does, why she does it, and what her dreams and her vision for social impact are. So take a moment with me and welcome my friend Rachel Ngom. Hey, hey, welcome to Practice Good Podcast. Hi, Rachel. Hi, beautiful. (laughs) It's good to see you. I'm so excited to have you on our show today. Thank you for joining us. Of course, it's an honor. Tell everybody a little bit about what you do, what led you to this place. So I have a business teaching entrepreneurs, purpose-driven entrepreneurs, how to get more leads and sales with Pinterest, blogging, course creation, automation, um, all kinds of fun stuff. So they can have passive income and have a great business that they love that they can bring with them anywhere in the world. How I got into that accidentally um, started in network marketing when we were broke, had negative $400 in our checking account, we're on food stamps and really struggling financially and um, figured out how to create success in that. Learned a lot about social media, online marketing. That was 10 years ago, which is crazy crazy. Um, so I started this business, um, three years ago. And so far we've had over 4,000 students go through our online courses, gave us the opportunity to live in France. We're moving to Senegal next year and have a lot of fun at the same time. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. And I know even just from looking at your website and knowing you personally, that you also have a passion to help people and to make an impact. Even your podcast is called she's making an impact. Tell us a little bit about your passion for making an impact in the world. 
Yeah, so it started when I was 19 or 20. Um, it was, I went to, uh, it was called All Campus Worship in college. So I went to the University of Illinois, I was playing volleyball there. And at All Campus Worship, it was, it was just like something happened. They were talking about Africa and it was like the first time I've ever heard about like what was happening on, on the other side of the world. I was like in such a bubble in the suburbs growing up of Chicago and during that worship, I remember just like this feeling of God being like, you need to go to Africa. And it was such a weird experience. Cause I'm like, how, I don't know anyone on the continent. Um, I play volleyball here. I don't get more than like a week off at a time. Um, how the heck is this going to happen? And it was like, God orchestrated all these events for me to be able to go, um, leave the volleyball team, but still be on full scholarship and meet someone that got me an internship, got 18 hours of A plus credit towards my major to go and live in Kenya for six months. Um, and it completely transformed my life. Um, and after that, I was like, Africa just kind of like grabs you, like, you know, this, um, and <laughs> Yeah. So after that, I moved to Senegal where I met my husband. Um, we've been back several times since, obviously, since that's where he's from, we're moving there and we started a nonprofit. Um, so that's kind of like where it all started, uh, was when I became a Christian, it was like, God said, go. And I went. So you said you started a nonprofit. Tell us about your nonprofit. What does it do? What is it called? All that good stuff. Global Mercy Impact. And we started it just because I was kind of frustrated with all the nonprofits out there that you like you donate money, but such a huge chunk of it goes to administration and all this other stuff and not actually to help people. And so we basically just bootstrapped our nonprofit and a hundred percent of the donations that people give goes to actually the poor. And so it's me and my mom basically that are like created the website and running it. Um, so we're not taking a salary or anything. We're just taking whatever money people are giving and it's going to Senegal. Uh, so, so far what we've been doing is feeding people um, with COVID. Uh, it's like hit the country really hard. And a lot of people that were previously going to Dakar to get work, they weren't able to go in and out of the city. Like they closed down the city so no one could go in and out. And so they have been struggling. So we were able to feed a hundred families for a month. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we did that back in April and we're doing it again tomorrow. Actually. Um, my husband is there right now and he's doing another food drop, which is awesome. How mm. do you determine who, who gets those 100 meals? Yeah. So he's actually working with people who like are either live in the villages where we're delivering the food and they know the families like specifically. So we're not going to some area where we aren't familiar with either the people or anything. It's very much like we know people who are either living in that village or who are familiar with people. So they know basically like what the need is like there, yeah. um, which is one of the benefits of having a nonprofit where you're actually from there. Um, and it'll be so nice when we're actually living there and we'll be able to do more than just um, food drops. Cause I know we have like a big passion for education, leadership, and a lot of those things, like we need to physically be on the ground to help supervise and get those projects up and running. Um, so we're doing what we can right now, but there's, there's more coming. Yeah. And you know, what you mentioned is so true. It's important for you to really know the people on the ground. I know for me, I've mm. been involved in a lot of things where we come in as people from the outside and we think we have all the answers and we know what they need. And people are like, what are you talking about? 
In fact, I was just listening to cred. I'm trying to remember what it was because I listened to way too many podcasts and audiobooks every day. But I was listening to something yesterday where, um, oh, it was a TED Talk. And it was about making an impact in the world. And Lord, forgive me. I don't know the lady's name. I literally was making dinner and listening to this. And she was talking about working in Pakistan and how she went there and she had these little lanterns. And she basically said to one of the ladies, Hey, how would you like it? If you could be in contact with the person who makes these lights and they could provide one for every single one of your homes, So you could work later. And the lady looks at me and goes, I don't want your light. She says, we're hot. We want a fan. And she goes, uh-huh. no, no, but look at this light. This light could give you more hours of work. And she goes, I don't want your light. I want a fan. And it just made me think about all these times where I've been to 14 countries and we come in and we think, you know, because we've driven on a paved road, we know how to pave a road and probably everybody needs a paved road. Right. And like other mm. people are like, I don't give a crap about your paved road. You know, I don't need your lantern. What has been your experience with your husband even? And I think that's a mm. special, unique thing that you have is that you're doing yeah. work in a place where your husband knows the need. What would you say to people? people that are trying to make an impact internationally in a place that they're not from. Um, Do you have advice or thought? I know it's so hard, right? It is so hard because I've made mistakes. You know, I went, um, when I went to Senegal, it was like, I want to build an orphanage. And then when you're 22, you have like these big ambitions and then you're like, wait, that's not the best thing for the kids. They don't need an orphanage. They need someone to help them stay where they're at, but actually help with the food. You know, it's like you have, you, you want to do good, but how can you do it in a way that's actually serving? serving people, I would say you need to be familiar with the culture that you want to serve. And so if you aren't from there, um, or you don't know people from there, whatever, um, like actually live there for a while, you know, I would go and move there or just make connections with people there, you know, or just partner up with a nonprofit that's there, you know? So, cause a lot of times we have good intentions, but if, we're not talking to people on the ground. Um, our good intentions could do more harm than good. Um, and again, talking to people too, to actually ask them like, what do you need? Um, cause like we might have this idea of you need an orphanage when that's not like they, they might actually, they are actually on board and they're like, yes, like we do like the kids need help. But when you actually do research on orphanages and how this actually like serves the children, it does not. Um, So that reminds me of just the times where I did go to places, you know, in Mexico or, you know, so many different places, Rwanda, where I did spend time in orphanages. It was literally this realization overnight where what I'm doing is actually contributing to the problem rather than solving it. And bigger need of, hey, we need people to hold babies that don't have parents, right? The bigger need is there's little tiny children running around who their biggest wound is not food, is not lack of education, is not lack of water. Even their biggest wound is abandonment. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's through like intentional, like parents are abandoning their children in developing countries. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is When kids don't have parents, regardless of how they are lost, whether it's illness, whether it's war, whatever it is, there is an attachment wound, an abandonment wound. And then we Americans are sending over all our white kids to go and hug babies and hold kids and make promises that we're coming back. And in reality, we're just reopening those wounds 
And then oftentimes that was a good warm feeling we had. We put all these pictures up and then these kids are even worse off than they were before. Their hopes were, you know, so excited. They made this new friend, they made this new connection of someone and they're gone forever. And it was literally overnight that that happened to me. And I was like, I cannot contribute to this anymore. And I kind of felt myself getting mad, you know, at people who would continue something that I had had a realization for. And the Lord really had to correct me and be like, Shiloh, I taught you that they're on their journey. And exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like a lot of people just, they, they want to help and they have that big heart and it's so like, you're going to make mistakes and you're not going to do everything perfect. And especially now it's like, there's so much political correctness around everything and even just going to help, you know, like for whatever reason now more than I've ever had before, I feel like weird being a white person going to Africa. And I feel like that's like wrong. And cause I see so much of like the white savior mentality when that's not my intention. Like I go because I feel like I'm called and I'm going to be able to help people in whatever way that I can, not as like some white chick going in. It's me and my husband who is an African working together. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot. For me, I would say that we're all on a journey, you know, and yeah. those times and those seasons where I went on these short-term trips and I, I was learning something and God was doing something in my heart and life that mm-hmm. changed me forever. But yeah. if I continue at that space, 10 years down the road, I am like drinking milk, you know, like it's it, the Lord's not growing me. I think there's seasons of like giving and of serving and of partnering. And we move to this place to where we determine and find long-term sustainable impacts where we're not just mm. serving the poor, but where we're partnering with people. And not only are we giving of ourselves, but we're learning from them. So for me, like yes. My trips to the continent of Africa are so different now. You know, my husband's also Nigerian and I go and my trips are with family and I'm learning things from them and I am embracing things and language and culture and the beauty of relationships and how they pour into generations after them and how they honor generations before them and how they live in community. These are things that I have never learned the depth of in America. Did you find yourself in that place too, where you kind of realize? Oh, maybe I did have a little about that, a little of that savior mentality when I was younger being like, I'm going to change the world. And then, Oh, for sure. And they ended up changing me. Right. Like I get more than I think I give, you know, like I'm away with, I come away with fullness. I come away with depth. I learn lessons that change my life, you know? Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's so different, you know, kind of on your journey. I would just encourage people, like you said, making mistakes is fine, but progress, like keep growing. Grow, keep keep growing. Yeah, Yeah. my first mission trip, I went to Guatemala and I was probably 19. I was in college. And did we actually help people there? I I don't know. I mean, we ended up like digging ditches and stuff that obviously Guatemalan person could have done. Uh, But it opened up my eyes to the need around the world and what, you know, like what could a 19 year old kid really do? But that like, it gave me that passion to go out and do something else. Yeah. And it's so true. When I was a kid, I think my first mission trip was um, when I was in sixth grade Um, in California, all the Christian kids are going on spring break down to Mexico, you know, and I was building houses because Lord knows a sixth grader from 
you know, Northern California is a really good carpenter, right? Like, and then you go to California and you're like all the people, all the contractors, all the business owners who are like building these beautiful homes are all Mexican. And you're like, hmm, something. That's ironic. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I mean, it's just kind of crazy. So I, I think I've come to this place where I've realized that is good intentions bad? No, good intentions are great, but we have to learn. And I think the biggest thing is humbling ourselves and asking people who are on the ground, living the life, doing the work, what are your needs? How could we partner together? What is it that I could help with rather than prescribing them? Yes, definitely. You know? Yeah, for sure. But that's been like a huge learning thing for me. And I know like even in your business, um, you are not just making an impact in terms of like international economic development, but you're also, you're impacting people's lives who have dreams to start businesses that impact the world. What has been one of your favorite parts of changing lives through that mechanism? Ah, seeing my students being able to, um, like pursue international adoption or being able to provide for an aging mother, um, like doing that kind of thing. But one of, I think the coolest things is the ripple effect of seeing like principles that I've taught some of my students being passed on. So I was actually on, um, a podcast interview last week or the week before, and it was one of my students clients that interviewed me. And he was like, Danielle, who's my student, taught me this principle that she learned from you and it completely changed my life. And I was able to do X, Y, and Z. And I literally just started crying on the interview and I'm like, I don't even know him. And it's like the impact that I made came from someone else that learned something, you know? So it's like that ripple effect is just so, so cool. And the fact that you just don't even know just by you being you and putting yourself out there and sharing your truth, you're going to be able to touch people's lives that Mm -hmm. you don't even know about it. Mm -hmm. That's so good. One of my professors, I remember on my exit interview in college, I was, you know, they were asking you, what are you going to do with your life now? Blah, blah, blah. And I remember he said to me, Shiloh, I hope the line of people behind you is long, but I hope it's invisible to you. And that just changed my life. And it sounds like exactly what you experienced. It's like, you don't, you throw yourself out there all the time and you feel like maybe I'm just, you know, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I'm a fraud. Maybe I'm throwing this out there and it's hitting a brick wall. Maybe it means nothing in the world. And then you get that one bit of encouragement and you go, oh my gosh, like this is really doing something, you know, that's so cool. And I, you know, I like the idea of the line being invisible because if we knew our impact, I mean, I just don't think humans should know all their impact because ultimately like we're not capable of handling it. <laughs> right. Right. It's just, it creates the level of lack of humility that we don't want to carry with us, you know, For like, sure. in that same line of questioning, what is a piece of advice someone has told you that has helped you in your social impact journey? Start small. And actually, it was actually Dream Small. And so um, we had Liz um, Bonacek. Uh, what was her name? Bodeheim something. She was at, um, speaking at global leadership summit and I had her on the podcast and she wrote, um, crap, I need to remember her book, the beginner's pluck. Okay. And in the book, yes. Um, and in the book, one of the chapters is to dream small. And she's like, so often we have these huge dreams of like changing the world, but what if you just had a 
a dream to change one person's life mm-hmm. and make that your focus of like, I'm just going to work and work hard to transform one person's life. And that's so much more attainable than being like, I'm going to go out and completely transform the world. Um, cause that it's overwhelming and discouraging when you can't make that happen. So it's like, no, no dream, dream a little smaller and just help someone today. Ooh, I love that. That will create massive change just by doing that. Dream a little smaller. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That reminds me of an orphanage I served at in Mozambique years ago. It was actually the first time I'd ever set foot on the continent of Africa. Heidi Baker, who ran the orphanage and started the orphanage years ago, uh, she had this kind of mantra that she always said, stop for the one. Exactly. And it just can get so overwhelming because there is so much need in the world. And I was just on a Zoom call with my doctoral ministry like colleagues, and we were talking about what it is in our current reality that is inspiring us to study and question and all those things. And I said, you know, honestly, I'm at this place where I want to fly to an island somewhere and live off of coconuts and mangoes. Like, I'm just tired. I'm really tired. But my desire to see good in the world and bring the kingdom of come on earth as it is in heaven is like so real and so tangible that I can't let it go. Like, but it's exhausting me in today's culture. And I feel like if I don't learn how to take care of my soul better and be able to teach others how to take care of their soul better along this journey of bringing good into the world, at the end of the day, a lot of us are going to be burnt out. And I'm like, I just need to stop for one, like right now in front of me, I just need to stop for the one in front of me, which is me. If I can take care of my soul in this journey of social impact, what does that mean for others down the road? And how can I teach that better? I just want to ask you one more question. And this is something I'm going to be asking everybody on the podcast, but what is one way that you really take care of yourself in your journey um, of social impact. So what is your soul care? What is your self care? What is something that you do that maybe others could take with them as well to take care of themselves along the way? Morning routine for Mm -hmm. sure. So where I wake up before the kids do and I'll drink coffee, read the Bible, have time to pray, uh, journal, um, and just have that quiet time before Mm -hmm craziness happens. And so you've probably heard one of the kids (laughs) during the podcast. I have the other one that I'm wearing right now and she fell asleep. Um, but if I let them wake me up and start my day out of like chaos, I feel that all day. Mm -hmm. So if I can just be intentional about having quiet time, getting grounded, oh man, it completely transforms my day. Hmm. It reminds me of Tony Robbins. He says, start with your hour of power, right? Yes. My husband is up at like four in the morning every day. I'm like, dude, you're doing like five hours of power, you know, like you got to cut it down. <laughs> That's why he's so powerful. I know, right? He's like, I, I got to get up before everybody's awake. It's so hard for me because my littlest one wakes up at like 5 a.m. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I cannot outbeat these children. Like I can't wake up earlier. My son takes on, it's like, it's like a source of pride for him. He's two. And he looks at me every morning and goes, mommy, I wake up quick. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's so hard. What do you have kids that age? Oh my goodness. She woke up. What time was she up at six for the day? Um, So I had like a half an hour before she woke up and that that was nice. nice. 
That is so nice. Well, I have just had, like, it's such a joy to always talk to you. And I'm hoping to have you back. I, I want to not only get kind of your story, but also I want to bring on different voices to just kind of pick apart topics on social impact. I love the work that you do. I follow you on Instagram and LinkedIn and um, all, even your podcast. I love. But if you were to say, like, one thing that the listeners could kind of, if they want to touch base with you more or learn more about what you do or be connected to you, what would be one way they could do that? Um, so you can check out our podcast, the She's Making an Impact podcast. And then if you want to learn more about just growing your business, it's just she's making an impact.com is our, our website. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And we'll talk to you soon. Wasn't that awesome? I mean, Rachel is so down to earth and yet shares such good, helpful information about making a social impact. I loved her idea of just starting small and dreaming smaller and starting with the one in front of you. It's so practical and so simple. It's almost easy enough not to do. So get started today. If you loved hearing from Rachel and you would love more episodes like this, make sure to head to the review section of iTunes and give us a review. Also hit subscribe, then head to your email and email me at shilohkashima at gmail.com and let me know what type of topics you're interested in hearing. And finally, don't forget to share this with a friend or two. Share it on Facebook, share it on Instagram, any way you can get the word out to be able to continue to have awesome podcasts and interviews just like this. So take your good intentions today and go turn it into real tangible good in the world.